as Mary told you, today is Epiphany Sunday. It's the day when we traditionally uh, think about those wise men, even though we combine them in with the nativity story. Uh, traditionally, in uh, the church calendar, we think of the wise men coming a few days, weeks, maybe even a couple of months after uh, the birth of Jesus. And so today, we focus on their visit to Jesus from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is found on page 792 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. In calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time where the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So some of you have heard that back in November, I made the difficult decision to get a new car. It was difficult because I had had my previous car for 13 years and I was trying very hard to make it to 300,000 miles. I think I told you about that in another sermon. I didn't make it to 300,000 miles, or at least my car did not make it. It made it to 286,000 miles, pretty good. But it finally, on its last leg, I decided it was time to get a new car, and so I took my old car to sell it, and I don't know if you've sold an old car in uh, the past few months, but uh, one of the things you have to do when you sell your car is you have to clean it out. And as I was cleaning out my old car, I realized that I had been driving around in a time capsule. Because apparently when I bought that car so many years ago, I didn't clean out my previous car. I just took all the junk from my old car and dumped it into my new car. And so as I looked through all the things that I'd shoved in the pockets and all the trash and stuff that I had left in the car, I took a walk down memory lane. 
I saw things that I hadn't seen before. Old mixtapes. Do y'all remember what mixtapes were? And old mix CDs that I'd made for road trips that I could listen to all my favorite songs while I was driving down the road. I found old bulletins from old church services that I'd went to, old funerals even that I had been to that meant a lot to me. I, I found baseball tickets or baseball ticket stubs of some of my favorite games. Or I found all kinds of things. And as you might imagine, I found, as Mary told you this morning in the children's sermon, I found maps, maps shoved down in the back pockets of the two front seats, maps that I had not looked at in years, maps from all the places where I had lived previous places in my life. I had maps of Virginia from when I lived and went to Williamsburg, went to William and Mary. I had maps from North Carolina from when I lived in Montreat, maps from South Carolina, maps from Georgia, even a map of Florida, and and even a map of Scotland, although I don't know how I was going to drive to Scotland. But I had a map of Scotland there, and even on those maps, I had even made little highlights and notes because that's what you used to have to do. You would pull out your map before a trip, and you would look and try to draw the path of where you were going to go and try to find your own, trek your own map so that you could get to where you were going. And I vaguely even have memories of pulling off on the side of the road when there was a traffic jam and pulling out one of those maps and trying to find an alternate route to get to where I was trying to go. But now, all of those maps should be in an antique store because we never use any of those again. And we have all these uh, GPS systems on our phone that I still use today. Now my new car has all these great bells and whistles where I can just plug my phone into my car and it will tell me exactly where I'm supposed to go even before I know where I'm going. It'll not only tell me that, but it'll tell me that there's a wreck ahead or even tell me that there's a police officer ahead and I might want to slow down tells me all of these wonderful things and those old maps I have to tell you never made it into my new car they either made it into the trash can or or made it maybe to some antique store where you could find them now we're on that same journey that we go on every year at this time of year that journey to Bethlehem with those wise men and as Mary's already told you they didn't have a GPS system they didn't even have a map they had a star that they followed and wonder of wonders following that star they actually started out at the wrong place they went of all places to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews and after all why wouldn't they go to Jerusalem Jerusalem was the seat of power. It was the seat of authority. It was the seat of wealth there in that region. It was the place where the king of the Jews would be and should be found. And when they got there, believe it or not, they found the king of the Jews, but not the one they were looking for. They found King Herod, the one who was appointed the king of the Jews. And King Herod was very happy to keep his power. I even talked about King Herod a few weeks ago. I talked to you about how King Herod wanted to keep his power and was willing to do so many things to to keep that power, whether it was to manipulate the people around him, play the Romans against the Jews, even murder some of his own family members to keep his power as the king of the Jews. And so when these wise men came up and told him, guess what, we're here to see the king of the Jews, and he probably said, well, I'm right here. And then he said, no, 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 we're here to see the one who was born the king of the Jews, the heir to the throne. And King Herod and all those people in Jerusalem around him got nervous. They gathered up their, their, his advisors and he said, what can we tell these people? And he, they looked back at the scriptures and looked back at the prophets and said, no, the king of the Jews is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Let's send them to Bethlehem. And then when they find that king, we can follow after them and take care of that king. And so that's what they told the, the wise men to do. 
The wise men set out to Bethlehem to follow that same star that they had been following. And they finally there in Bethlehem found Jesus, found Mary and Jesus together. And somehow, way, they realized this was the Christ child. This is the one they had been searching for. This was the one born King of the Jews. And after kneeling down and paying him homage, they probably jumped right up and said, All right, let's go back to Herod and tell him what we found. He'll be so happy. Good thing they fell asleep and waited till the next day because a dream told them, don't go back to Herod. And so they woke up that next morning and they went back home by another road. Now we all know they did that probably for their own safety and maybe for Jesus' safety, but what a great metaphor for us. They go and see the Christ child and they can't go back home the way they came. They go and see the Christ child, and after seeing Jesus, they can't go back on the same path they came from. They have to go a different way. They have to follow a different path. They have to be different people. That's what should happen to all of us when we come face to face with Jesus Christ. We should not just be able to go back to our habits and our styles and our lives that we live here and now. We should be changed. We should be overwhelmed. We should be moved to change our lives and go on a different path than we were walking on before. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that who has had such an experience of God or had such an experience of faith that when they've experienced Jesus Christ in a new way, their lives have changed. They couldn't go back the way they came from. Julianne and I met some folks like that at our previous church. The families were named the Snotties and friends of ours and friends of the church, longtime members there. And they were very affluent people, much like you and me maybe in North Atlanta. And on a whim in the 90s, they had decided to go down to Guatemala to, to serve with some friends of theirs in a mission project. And they not only were overwhelmed down there with the poverty, but also overwhelmed with the hospitality and the care and the kindness in that little town where they went. And so... On that plane ride back, they said, you know, we can't just forget about this place. We need to come back here. And so the next year they came back, and the next year they came back, and they even bought a little house down there that they could stay in, and even bought a little truck that they left down there that they used while they were there and let other people use when they weren't there. And finally they just said, you know, we can't just keep going back and forth. Let's tell our church about this place. They started convincing people in their church to come with them, and And then 20-some-odd years later, thousands of members of that church had gone down to Guatemala with their mission project and their partnership with two schools and their partnership with missionaries down there. All because of that one trip, they had encountered Christ in a new way. And they couldn't just go back to the life they were living. They couldn't just go back to the path that they were on. Maybe some of you have experienced that too. I've seen that in some of you here in some of our mission trips and some of our mission partners where you've gone and served, you've seen the devastation from the hurricane and you've said, we can't just forget about this. We have to go back again and again. Or you've seen a a student over at Sealy and you've said, I want to volunteer. I want to do that. But the lesson of the story of the wise men is, shouldn't that happen to all of us? That all of us, when we encounter Jesus Christ, shouldn't it change us? After all, I don't know if you know this, Christmas was just 12 days ago. 
Just 12 days ago, we were in here lighting candles and singing Silent Night. And I wonder how many of us have gone right back to the life we lived before. I'll tell you, our Christmas decorations are already down. We're right back to our to-do list. We're right back to the things that we had to do beforehand. We're right back to our same old worries and our same old concerns. Christmas was just 12 days ago. But did it change me? I don't know. Sometimes I don't like being changed. Maybe that's the way you feel too, that even though we come to church and we like being here together, we don't really come to church to be changed. And yet that's exactly why Jesus Christ came here. Not to tell us all that we're doing the right things. Jesus Christ came to change us. And the only way that will happen is if you and I open our hearts and open our minds and have the courage to allow ourselves to be changed. I've told you this little elementary example before, but it's one of my favorite stories from Julianne's family. When Julianne was a little girl... Uh, she found a little cat outside, a little stray cat that kept coming by their house. And of course, Julianne, being a cat person, wanted to keep that cat. And so she went and begged her parents to keep that cat. And she wanted to name it Rosie, and it was going to be her cat forever. But as you might imagine, her parents didn't want anything to do with a new cat. And I have to tell you, I'm on her parents' side in this case. <laughs> Cats are trouble. Cats cause problems. Cats are hard to take care of. Cats can smell up the house. Cats change things. But these dear parents didn't want to just tell Julianne no, and so they said, okay, well, Valentine's Day is just a few weeks away. If that cat is still walking around here by Valentine's Day, we'll let you keep the cat. Now, Valentine's Day was well ahead. She knew that they knew that cat would probably go on to another house that was far more welcoming than their house, and everything would be fine. But sure enough, Valentine's Day came, and Rosie was still sitting there. And so, keeping their word, they let Julianne keep that little cat and kept Josie forever. Many years later, when Julianne and I were sitting around a dinner table, we started talking about Rosie, and a little smile came across Julianne's face. She said, do you know why Rosie kept coming around? Because every day after school, I would open the back door and put a little food out there. And sure enough, Rosie would come right in, and I would scoop Rosie up and take her up to my room and pet that little cat and smother it with love. Pretty soon, I started coming home from school, and Rosie was sitting there waiting on me to get home. Oh, of course, I'd always get her right back outside before you all came home from work, but sure enough, Rosie was already hers because Julianne had opened the back door and let Rosie come in. That's what it takes to change us. We not only have to see Jesus Christ face to face, but we have to open our hearts and allow ourselves to be changed, to have the courage to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and let Jesus Christ change us. I don't know if you've looked around in the world today that as hard as it is to be changed, the world needs to be changed. There are many things about this world and many things about this life that I hope are very different in the coming year that were not so different last year. Things that I hope will be different. There are people around us right now, students around us, who go to school to get fed because they don't have food at home. There are people around us right now who don't feel welcome in churches. I don't know why that is. There are people around us right now who see kindness as a weakness. 
There are people around us right now who see integrity as a tradable commodity. And that's just the world around us. When I take a look at myself, think about the changes I need to make, there are many, many things I need to do differently. I could be a better husband. I could be a kinder person. I could ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong in the past year. And even more so, maybe even harder, I could probably forgive a few people who have hurt me in the past year. I could be a better person. I could be a better minister and hold you all more accountable to the things we need to be doing. I need to change. But I have to open my heart up and let Jesus Christ change me. Something funny happens around the first of the year. I don't know if you know that. We always talk about change right around the first of the year. We call them New Year's resolutions. Have any of you all made New Year's resolutions yet? Usually those New Year resolutions, they have to do with being healthier or, or exercising more, losing weight, things like that. But this time, this year, I want you all to think about that in a deeper way. How can our resolutions change us the way Jesus Christ meant to change us? How can we make resolutions that open our hearts and open our minds and allow Jesus Christ to change us for the better so that in 2020 we are different people than we were last year? How can we let God change us this year by opening our hearts and opening our minds to the possibility that God might call us to something new? that we can't go back on the same path we were walking before because God has a new path for us. You know, every year about this time of year, the, the advice columnist, Dear Abby, gets all these requests for ideas about uh, New Year's resolutions. In fact, she gets it so often that she's just started repeating the same column over and over again on January the 1st. She just prints that same column again that says, you always ask for resolutions, here are my resolutions. And they're wonderful resolutions that came from her mother. Her mother used some of the words and some of the, the slogans from Al-Anon to put these resolutions up about how we need to live in the moment and not let our worries rob us of our joy, how each and every day we need to focus on that day and make that day better. But this year, she added something to the end of that. It was a, a prayer that was sent to her from one of her readers. It's a prayer that maybe you have heard before. And it's a prayer that for some reason she thought would be a good resolution. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's in giving that we receive, it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. What a resolution to open ourselves up to being instruments of God's peace, to being instruments of God's kindness, to being instruments of God's love, to open ourselves up that Jesus Christ came to this world to change us, that we in fact might allow ourselves to be changed. Let me warn you, 
If you make that resolution this year to be God's instrument, it might change you. It might take you on a path that you never saw yourself walking on. But I also believe that if we make that our resolution this year, this year will be different than last year. This year, we might change the world. To the glory of God. Amen.